thank you for your goodness and your hand upon our lives. Lord, we thank you that you have given us gifts, talents, experiences uh, to serve you. You have uh, molded our hearts and our minds, Lord, and you have directed our paths. And I thank you, Lord, for uh, all the blessings that you have given to our brother Layong, how you have led him, how you have blessed him, how you have used the work of his hands and multiplied blessings to so many communities and so many people. And this morning, Lord, as we listen to the sound of your words uh, that come from you, that has gone through uh, his heart and the anointing of the Spirit, Lord, we ask that you will open our hearts, you will help us to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, and we ask, Lord, that we would be humbled, Lord, to yield to the work of the Spirit, the words of the Spirit in our lives. Give us strength to change. Give us the will. And Lord, uh, mold us and change us uh, so that we can be more like the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we can be more effective servants and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord. We commit this time to you and ask for your presence and for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Shing. Very pleased to be here. One way you can keep up your reading is to sell your television. <laughs> it's very simple, right? Uh, uh, by God's grace, I never had a television in my home since marriage. Okay. And then God blessed me again. I have one laptop that the fan broke. So I can switch on my laptop now for 20 minutes. After it, it gets overheat. So this is for the past month. Then I think, actually, this is quite good. No, I get all my work done in 20 minutes. I have no motivation to buy a new laptop. Okay. So Judges 17 and 18, this is a dialogue, a discussion. Okay. Along the way, you'll be answering many questions. The easiest question will be at the beginning. And uh, so better answer first. <laughs> right. Judges 17, please turn your Bibles to it. This is quite a bewildering part of scriptures, Judges 17. But let's go through it and uh, try and find some lessons, important lessons to take home. Okay. Oh, we have it. Now a man named Micah from the hill country of Ephraim said to his mother, The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and about which I heard you utter a curse, I had the silver with me. I took it. Then his mother said, The Lord bless you, my son. When he returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, she said solemnly, I solemnly, she said, I solemnly consecrate my silver to the Lord for my son to make an image overlaid with silver. I will give it back to you. As you read Micah 17 and 18 and 19, uh, the, the words that come true is, in those days, there was no king over Israel and the people did as they please. So, uh, there are little subtleties here that give hints that these 
person, this family, weren't uh, following guidelines as laid down by uh, in Leviticus. For example, if I stole something from you and I confess to the theft, there is supposed to be a restoration and a restitution. I don't just give you back what I stole, but I must, uh, there's no judge to give a fine, but I should pay back something above of what I stole. But the mother didn't say that. And this is tough. Uh, looking as parents, how, how much do we want to punish our children? Right? How lenient do we want to be? Do we want to be tiger mother you know, or daddy bear mother? Right? And this is a struggle. And some of these struggles are going on and we want to discover what then are some of the principles. So, verse 4, after he returned the silver to his mother, she took 200 shekels of silver and gave it to a blacksmith, about 220%, who used them to make an idol. And it was put in, a, it was put in Micah's house. Now, this man Micah had a shrine. So Micah is head of the family. Okay? And he made an effort and some household goods and installed one of his sons as his priest. In those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. So can a father install a son as a priest? According to Levitical rules, can Micah install his son as a priest? Answer is no. Right. Mm, let me just tell you the low side of missions. Uh, in regions that I've spent time with, there are small Bible schools. Okay. Wonderful people who started Bible schools. And then they grow older and they pass away. And then the son, who is a womanizer, a drunkard, who doesn't believe in Jesus, took over the Bible school. Why? Why? Okay, question one. Why? <laughs> okay. If you don't know a person next to you, shake hand, you know, and then find out why. Okay. Is there a roving mic? Still got one, yes. Wow. Is there name name list? <laughs> I'm a teacher at heart, you know. Sorry, how how can the father did the father install the son? Perhaps, okay. Yes, sir. Sorry. What did you say? Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the beautiful part, sorry, if the son converted right, and loved the Lord and built a church. But sadly, I've come across cases where the children think, man, this is a good conduit for money. Right? It's very good conduit for money. You know, you go to rural places and you start Bible school, you give free food. Right? Uh, don't worry, we have more questions. Yeah. Okay, don't need, for, for you to pass, don't, I don't need, yeah. Okay. This is the low side or downside. This is extreme discernment needed in the mission field. Right? Because they look me straight in the face and say, why not? Some passing good deeds, short-termers will come and 
put some money in the offering. See, I'm very sensitive about short-term missions. For example, I see you're going to, uh, you're advertising for a trip to Mengzi. It's a beautiful part of Yunnan. Okay, it's the best noodles. The Guo Chiao Mi Xian of Yunnan comes from Mengzi. If you understand the Guo Chiao Mi Xian, it was about somebody, a scholar who was studying in a quiet place in the middle of the lake, and in order for the dear wife to bring hot food to him, they separated the noodles and the hot broth. And when they walk over the bridge, then make the noodles on the spot. Comes from Mengzi, go there, very nice. Okay. But then, short-term missions, you know, if you go on a nor- into the small rural church or small slum church, you love Jesus, you put $10 US into the offering, you blow their budget, you know. If 10 of you put $10 US into the offering, they suddenly know we are humans. I'm not saying that all poor churches are like that. But then they're here and suddenly there was a short-term team from Singapore that came and our offering increased a thousand percent. Next time short-term team want to welcome or don't welcome? Surely welcome. Right? It's like some short-term or somebody come to your church right, and put in your year's budget into one offering bag. Somehow our hearts are changed. So this was... Uh, Now, this man, Micah, had a shrine, and he made an effort and some household goods and installed one of his sons and his priests. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Now, Micah is the head of the household. This story begins from the bottom. The son stole something, went to the mother, right? and the mother made a shrine, and Micah played along. Question, what is Proverbs 31 about? What's the roving mic? Ah, Yes. What is Proverbs 31 about? Okay. Walk, walk, that musical chair. You walk, walk, walk. There. You just walk. Walk, 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 walk. Stop. Okay. Pass to your right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Never mind. No punishment one. Okay. So don't have reward. Okay. I wrote a book on Proverbs later and collect a free one. Walk, 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 walk. Oh, don't look. I don't look. Okay. Now. Okay. Stop. Pass to your left. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Proverbs 31. Um, I, last... I know it as um, uh, an account of a, uh, a good wife. <laughs> an account of a good wife. Okay. So, Proverbs 31, if you can turn to it. It is not an account of a good wife. Why do I say that? Proverbs 31 verse 1. The, king, the sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle, his mother taught him. And then verse 10, a wife of noble character. Proverbs 31 was written to who? Man or woman? Proverbs 31 was written to who? Man or woman? Man! The mother told the king Lamel, the man remains the head of the household. His responsibility is to create a platform, environment, situation, such that 
the wife can be groomed to be a noble character. Proverbs 31 is not for the man to hold, tell the wife, there, 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 you must get out in the morning, huh? uh, you must make business, you must sell, you must do everything, you know. This is your standard. No, it was a standard given to the man. It was never a standard given to the women. It was a standard given to the man and said that if you want to marry, then this is the foundation you have to build. This is a scaffolding, this is the infrastructure, this is the condition, this is your dream, your hope for your wife. It is not tell your wife, Okay, this standard, okay, you can do. Follow chapter, uh, your New Year resolutions, there are 20 of them, follow. <laughs> Alright, so my car here, okay, this is a passage of wrong upon wrong upon wrong because they all had no king in their land and no God in their hearts. This is syncretism, taking a bit of Christianity of Jehovah God, modifying it. So returning the silver was correct, not making restitution was wrong. The mother blessed the child was correct, but taking 200 shekels to make an idol is terribly wrong. Micah, who wanted faith in the family, was correct, but wrong to install this man as his family priest. Let's read on. A young Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, who had been living with the clan of Judah, left that town in search of some other place to stay. On his way, he came to Micah's house in the hill country of Ephraim. Micah asked him, Where are you from? I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah. And he said, I'm looking for a place to stay. Then Micah said to him, Live with me and be my father and priest, and I will give you ten shekels of silver a year, your clothes and your food. So the Levite agreed to live with him, and the young man became like one of his sons to him. Then Micah, Micah installed the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in his house. And Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me since this divide has become my priest. All this is a series of rationalizations that bring them further and further away from the Lord. So we begin to ask the question, why did the young man leave his place? The Levite is supposed to be supported. And then he goes in search of an income. Let me tell you again the downside of missionary support. We, we should be supporting our missionaries. When my wife and I, at 35 years old, my wife is teaching in NTU accountancy. I was working in the Ministry of Health as a doctor. Said we wanted to be missionaries. Our dear church elders, through their support behind us, you know what's the one of the first thing they did? They bought a dinner for my parents and my in-laws, who were not Christians then. And they asked for permission to send us. And we are not Ginna, no. <laughs> right? We are 35 years old. My elder, Professor Ernest Chu, Dean of Arts, Dr. Tan Ban Jing, was the first Asian to be installed in the World Council of Radiologists. Men of esteem. Right? They bought dinner and they asked permission to send us as missionaries. My parents were very touched. My mother, my mother, you know, she's a very frugal woman. Every dollar that I give her, she give back to my children as ang bao. And she asked one question. Oh, now my, in very blunt language, my son now must be a beggar. Must raise support. Of which my elders say, no, we also give CPF. 
right? And since that time, when we were all our time in China, a cell group would visit my parents and my in-laws, Mooncake Festival, Chinese New Year, Bazang Festival, and bring something and say, actually, your son should do this, but since he's in China, we, the church, will do it. Thank the Lord, you know. Uh, my mom was baptized in 2004. My father-in-law became Christian. My mother-in-law became Christian. Amazing testimony. This is called supporting. But here, the language in transactional. The relay is, I give you 10 shekels. Remember, this is amazing going on. The son returned 1,100 shekels and now he's giving 10 shekels. But even though he treated him like a son, okay, but this is very paternalistic religion. Okay, I'm trying to draw the fine difference here. I had a friend successful teacher, went on to be a successful civil servant in admin, uh, doing, uh, and then went on to be a successful businessman. And also at the age of 30-something, decided to go into cross-cultural missions full-time. The church loved him, he loved the church. But in the meeting, this statement was made. Brother, we will support you 50% and the other 50% you live by faith. My friend told the church, his church mission committee, thank you very much for the 50% support. But the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. When I was a teacher, I lived by faith. When I was a civil servant, I lived by faith. I was a businessman, I lived by faith. There is no differentiation between those of us who take a few years out going on into full-time mission, so-called, and then those people live by faith. Then we all, this is the, the iron sharpening iron that happens when a church commits itself to outreach and missions. Right. So when you read this passage, I'm trying to draw some lessons about this fact. Okay. We go back to the PowerPoint. In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did whatever he wanted. Next slide. I think it was Pascal, the mathematician, who said this. In the beginning, God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. That God created man in his own image, and man is always trying to create God in my image. Okay. Whether it is pride, convenience, or sure idolatry. That we always try to make our faith easier. So, now this man, Micah, had a shrine and he made an effort and some household goods and installed one of his sons as his priest. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. So, if ever, as a family, and there is no one to lead the faith. The father must step forward to do it. This is something you cannot outsource. This dear video that you saw about being teachers, let me be very blunt. Men, we have to be there. A lot of men will tell me, but I'm not gifted. Ah. I cannot teach children. My simple answer is, at 18, 19 years old, did God tell you, John or James or William, go take a driving test? No one. We all went to 
learn to drive and pick up license. Right? Why? It's a skill. It's something that we wish to do. But if you take an average, if you take a, a survey and ask the men to rate themselves, how good a driver are they? Are they below average, average, above average, or excellent? 75% of men will rate themselves as above average and excellent. <laughs> Impossible. If 75% do that, that means you're average one. <laughs> right? But most men rate themselves as above average or excellent drivers. Some of us think we are Formula 1 drivers, right? But only driving a, a very small car, you know, because no money to buy a bigger one. But it's alright. As men, we've got to be there. Right? Teaching children, we have to learn some skills. It's like driving. It's a necessity. Okay, be there. I share this because when I came back, a social co-worker asked me whether I would go to a two-room flat to visit. She never did, done one before and was at night. I said, sure, I'll go with you. In that household, six adults, eight kids. And uh, none of the kids had the same father in the families. I got to know the teenagers. And then I said, I'm going camping at Pola Hantu. Hantu means goes. Huh? I said, come with us. You know, No Wi-Fi, uh, no electricity, one toilet, quite clean, one monkey, four iguanas. <laughs> I said, my dream, my dream camp on Pola Hantu with my church youth group. Okay, I say I will bring 10 chickens there. When we reach there, we let go of the chicken. You can catch. Catch means your dinner. Don't have means don't have. <laughs> right? But AVA and Acres will not allow me to do that. They say it's very cruel. <laughs> so the teenagers came. They camped. We played. At 4 o'clock, camp commander blow whistle, say go and bathe. After that, you have to cook your own dinner. And these young people came up to me, this tree, and said that, Dr. Tan, we have never played here before. Do you mind if we play on the beach for a while more? I said, sure, you play. I, since I'm responsible for you, I look after you, I will sit on the beach, you know. They played, I sit on the beach, read my storybook. Right? Then the current shift, the tight shift, they change, I change. Six o'clock, I say, okay, let's go. Time to cook dinner. They came up. And then this guy came up to me and said, Dr. Tan, what, uncle, what were you doing just now? I said, what do you mean what I was doing just now? I said, while we are doing, playing on the beach, what were, we do, what were you doing? I said, I was watching over you. Lah. No, tears came to the eyes. And this teenager said, since I was five years old, nobody watched over me. You are the first one. Thank you. I said, what did I do? I was just reading my storybook, right? <laughs> Men, we have to be there. We have to stand there and be with the young people. Okay, So my car was in the background somehow and jumped forward and decided to do all this. Outsource here, outsource there. There are sometimes outsource is important, but faith and values cannot. My car said to the priest, Okay, live with me and be my father and priest. I'll give you 10 shekels of silver. So the Levite agreed to live with him and become like one of his sons, which is good. Micah installed the Levite and the young man became his priest and lived in the house. And then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me since this Levite has become my priest. End of part one.
chapter 18. In those days, chapter 18, verse 1, in those days Israel had no king. And in those days the tribe of Danites were seeking a place of their own where they might settle because they had not yet come into an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. So the Danites sent five warriors from Zorah and Ashtahal to spy out the land and explore it. The men represented all their clans. They told them, go and explore the land. The men entered the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah, where they spent the night. When they were near Micah's house, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. So they turned in there and asked him, Who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? Why are you here? See, all this in biblical narrative tells you that there were different dialects or accents going on. And they also know that this Levite is not supposed to be here. He told them what Micah had done for him and said, He has hired me and I am his priest. Okay, This word hire is tough. Please do not ever look upon full-time workers as hired staff. He told them, then they said to him, Please inquire of God to learn whether our journey will be successful. This word is tough. We are always wondering whether we will be successful. God always asks whether we will be faithful. So the time my church sent us, fully supported, you know, I'm the, you know, let's go, la, pack bags, got airport, got, got air ticket, passport, I will go. My wife, being an accountant, very detailed. Right? She's so detailed that when we went to Sishambana, our baby one year old, no di- there's no diapers or anything there. So she planned, you know, she planned how many diapers my daughter need in ascending size and descending numbers. <laughs> After two years, she was shot by one packet. You know. <laughs> and crap, la, that's very good, right? <laughs> one packet, that's the only thing that my church had to fed next to me. <laughs> right? One packet of diapers. So she planned. Then she asked the elders, you support us fully, you know? What is the expectations? For me, just go. You know? For her, it was very, what is the expectation? And my elders replied, expectation? Remain married. <laughs> Are you possible happily married? <laughs> that was all the expectation our church helped us to. And it was very frank. That if we didn't think that, we have seen you grow up in Bethesda Franker since 1970s. If we didn't think that you are sought and light, we'll not send you. When we went for missions interview, my elder came along. Some mission organizations don't know how to do that. No. They want to interview me or they interview my wife. Then we come along, elders will go along. We say, why? Because we are in this together. It happened that I'm going and enjoying and they are staying here to raise funds. <laughs> right? So the whole ball game is changed. I said, you ask the elder. Nah. Right? I mean, they always ask, uh, who's your prayer partner? I say, ask the elder. Nah. <laughs> they always ask us, when will we come back? Right? We say, we'll come back when the church stops praying. That's one of our criteria. Because mission is about prayer. If the church stops praying, then it's all human effort. Human effort is nothing. So, in this case, uh, they inquire of God whether or not the journey will be successful. Right? The priest answered them, Go in peace. Your journey has the Lord's approval. So the five men left and they went. Go back and read and you find out that 
Later on, this tribe offered a higher salary or better prospects and the priest left them. If we are not careful, this is what we are doing to our young people. Okay? Put it very bluntly, we put them in the best primary school. And they want to go to the best secondary school. And they put in the best JC. Why? Not because we identify with the values of their school, but we want them to be multiple choice. A, successful. B, faithful. <laughs> because we want them to be successful, right? There's nothing wrong in being successful, right? There's nothing wrong in being successful. But if successful goes, if the emphasis on success is so high, that faithfulness is like that. So, how then do you teach faithfulness to a spouse for life? My marriage not successful, you know. She don't talk to me. This is what is going on in this passage. Alright? In those days, Israel had no king. C.S. Lewis said the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. In our pursuit, pursuit of success, we, even Christians, can fall into self-rationalizations. And we can even try to employ Christians, Christianity, Christian behavior for our success. And then we turn around and use this success to say, God must be with us. Praise the Lord. How do we know we are good Christians? We are successful. Right? We go in this cycle. Another lesson for mission. Once I had to come back and had a conversations with a very nice church who was supporting their missionaries. But this church... It's actually a lot of factors. One of it is social, social uh, misalignment. Uh, I wouldn't use the word misfit. This church, upper middle class and above. The missionary, they sent secondary for education. Sent to us, with us. If I put this very bluntly, workers like me had a high output. Right? I was training doctors, training uh, training village uh, doctors, teaching hospital management, getting awards in a national level. Then there was this worker set for among us and the church expressed an interest of pulling this missionary back because low output. And we went down the street the area that we live, and asked the hair stylist from another part of China and asked, who is this mission worker to you? Who is this lady to you? The hair stylist don't know our agenda. They say, she, she is like Jesus. Go down to the next shop, the Muru seller, and say, who is this mission? Who is this lady to you? Say, this lady, wow, she loves us. She prays for us. Then to the next shop, the shopkeeper, who is this lady to you? She'll tell you, she is joy. She is full of joy. Ask the office staff, 
the other fellow clerical workers. Who is this lady? They say this is a personification of Jesus Christ. These are the words they use, you know. And I tell the church, I say, look, I'm successful, but nobody ever tell me I'm the light of Jesus. <laughs> and you have this humble, gentle person here, right, who whatever circumstance had only secondary school education. And every single person you meet, Christian, non-Christian, tells you she is like Jesus. Who do you want to pull back? So think. Next one is a, is a slide, right? It's a, it's a video clip, am I right? Okay. Uh, okay, never mind. We go to the video clip. So, I just show you a three-minute video clip. This is a favorite subject of mine. It's called parasitoids. You know what parasitoids? Not parasites, uh, parasitoids. I read this kind of novels to my son often before he sleeps. Wow, wonderful. We have such excitement. Okay. <laughs> so as you watch this video, okay, you can dim the lights a bit. If you want to create a sensation effect, you can once in a while poke the person next to you. Okay. This is a video about parasitoids. And as you watch, listen to every word. This narration is very good. Listen to every word and ask yourself the question, what are the similarities and differences between our life and this life? Our parasitized caterpillar has spent the last 12 days gorging itself. It now appears profoundly obese. But this is not all fat. The glomerata wasp larvae lie just under its skin. Each is the size of a grain of rice, but together they account for over a third of the caterpillar's weight. The larvae have not yet finished growing and need to keep their host alive. So although they feast on the caterpillar's blood, they have been careful not to touch a single one of its vital organs. This uneasy truce will not last. Within days, the larvae are fully matured. Suddenly, they begin to stir into action. For the past two weeks, this surrogate womb has protected them, but now they no longer need it. To complete the next stage of their life cycle, they must break out. The caterpillar's thick skin should be a solid barrier to the parasitic wasp larvae. But as their bodies have grown, they have developed tiny, saw-like teeth. These jagged jaws are for one job only. Cutting their way out. Stroke by stroke, the larvae slice through the tough layers of skin. 
At the same time, they release chemicals that paralyze the caterpillar. As the larvae break through, there is nothing it can do. Free at last, the larvae enter a new phase of development. They swiftly spin silken cocoons. These will provide the perfect environment for their final transformation. But ironically, one of the greatest dangers the larvae will face is being themselves impregnated by other species of parasitic wasp. Incredibly, the wounded caterpillar helps them out. Usually, a caterpillar would spin a silken blanket to make its own cocoon. But the parasitized caterpillar spins his blanket on top of the wasp cocoons giving them an extra layer of protection. Scientists believe the same wasp virus that infected it weeks before has now invaded the caterpillar's brain and caused this bizarre corruption of its normal behavior. Amazingly, the caterpillar's natural aggression is now also exploited by the wasp virus. The caterpillar becomes a bodyguard, actively protecting the cocoons from other parasites. It will watch over them unceasingly until it eventually starves to death. Amazing night. Tonight, 11 o'clock, show it again in your house, okay? All right, and have some flurry little thing by yourself. Okay, so discussion question now among two or three of you. Okay, turn around, get to know person. What similarities and differences do you see in this video and our behavior? Okay? It's a discussion time. Okay, what are some of the key points of the video of narration that caught your attention? Okay, where's the roving mic? Yes, okay. Yes, uh, straight away, same time, yes. 
easier to answer first. Ah. Yeah, I think the, the caterpillar has always been protecting the Levi's. Uh, despite the fact that they, they, they took it out from, from, from the shell. Okay, so, so caterpillar give protection. Okay, pass the yeah. mic. What? Yes. You want to do a PhD in parasitoids. It's an amazing thing, you know. It's going to control the mind. Yes. Uh, we discussed it's a very functionalist perspective. Meaning? Like, uh, after the larvae feed from the caterpillar, somehow they still, after no use for the caterpillar, then that's it. Uh. Okay. Yeah. So, very mm. utilitarian, right? After no. Okay, pass the mic back. <laughs> yes. Are we still on the lifestyle? Yes, issue? lifestyle, actions, motivations. Um, I suppose if there is no focus, there isn't a purpose in the existence, and it's just to it's just to go along with what's happening. Okay. Um, so, so somebody is controlling the caterpillar, right? Yes. Pass the mic back. Okay, let, let me stop here and be very blunt with you. Part of the reason why I do this is to tell you my grief with the Church of Singapore, churches. We are very passive. When we come, came in from China, my son was like 11 years old. He's an ordinary boy, sat in the church. But that's a Franco, it's a wonderful church. And then a little boy cried. Because he grew up in Yunnan with me. He looked after play orphans. And because our homes had I'm not saying I'm perfect. I encourage you to have the same thing. Our homes had people coming through, disabled children. Uh, we had Ma Xing coming through, we had visitors, we had uh, wives that were beaten up were coming through, sit at a table with us. And we had craft palette children, you know, it's part of our lifestyle. So anyway, this boy cried, and my son just reached out and played with him, talked to him. This is in Singapore, huh? my own Bethesda Franco. Within one minute, you know what happened? The mother come, the maid come, the grandmother came. And also, the body language was look at my son as, do you know what you're doing or not? So he learned from that onwards to my grief. Come to church, just sit there. Don't need to engage. And the involvement went, psst. And we have to correct a bit of that. We have to come to church to be ready to learn, ready to engage, ready to think. The fringe of our society wants to engage and we're not allowed to, it will burst out in platforms that we find offensive, whether it's the LGBT debate, whether it's banning of the sisha smoking, whether it's animal behavior, kindness. We got to increase. We are not agitators, but we need I say this again because a few weeks ago I was privileged to go to another church. 
And when I was in the elevator, there was two lovely girls, seven years old or six years old. And then in came a mother with a about eight-month-old baby in a pram. Very cute. And the two girls, and the mother said, don't touch. <laughs> and so, the correct thing to do is tell your daughters, hey, touch the toes, tickle the hand, don't poke the eye. <laughs> However you say it. But we do this again and again. We professionalize the churches by employing more and more youth pastors, ministers, everything to do this. And we come here to worship God. You know, guys, it's not going to happen. Right. So today, I'm trying to share several things. One, Scripture tells us that where there's no king, we go astray. It applies to internet, it applies to our personal life, it applies to the banking sector, it applies to medical ethics. Okay, the Lord is Lord of all. Okay, it must speak into the way we do parenting, into the way we handle money. I ask a simple question. What is the largest US dollar denomination? Largest US dollar note. Sorry, real one, real one. 100 US dollar, right? 100 US dollar is the largest denomination. What is the largest Singapore denomination? $10,000, you know. To be very frank, I only know two kinds of people who carry $10,000 across the border, missionaries and mercenaries. <laughs> what was our finance sector doing? Where were the Christians who would write a letter to the government and say, this $10,000 note is shady. We don't need it. Where was the Christian witness? I'm glad to tell you that $10,000 note is being phased out already. Now the highest is still $1,000, which is still on paper money, the biggest in the world, you know. Right? $1,000 Singapore is worth, say, $800, $900 US dollars. That means to, to smuggle Five, six, seven hundred US dollars, you just need to smuggle one piece of one thousand Singapore dollars. It's still too much. So, where there's no king, where there's no censorship, or where there's no, we, we want this total freedom, right? Things will happen. The parasitoids will control the brain, and we become passive doers. We become you know, the parasitoid will not take, it will just, it will not kill you. I'm trying to draw some analogies here, which I think we have to look at this overall theme and then understand. Okay, next slide. So for me, this passage is a reminder about three things, three M's in our life. Master, money, and marriage. Who is my master? Okay, is Jesus Christ my master? This picture is not a cross. Huh? This is a Singtel Tower at Dover Road, which I'm... <laughs> okay? Which I'm privileged that every morning when I get up, I've taken a, a, must be about 100 pictures of this. Every morning I get up, I look at this, I take a picture before I go for a run, and I say, it reminds me, is Jesus Christ my master? 
Number two, money. What do I want to do with money? Right? We need to be clever and wise about how we do money. The 10% you give as time is a done deal. It's the 90% how you use that describes you. Okay? And marriage. Okay? If you don't want to get married, then it's fine. Or you're not getting married, it's fine. But if you want to get married, then you realize this is a lifelong commitment. Okay? I have to sit down and tell my children, especially my son, I say, I'm 50-something years old. It doesn't... Okay? Say, okay? Right? It doesn't matter who you be, what you earn, but I can just tell you, okay, in university now, the saddest students I meet are those whose parents are going through divorce. It destroys them. 4A students, scholarship, sits down in my office and cry. See, my parents are divorcing. And you know what? I think I'm part of the reason. Or show me SMS. Say, my dad just SMS and told me off. Say, can't stand me anymore. It breaks them all to pieces. So these are the three M's we want to hold. The Lord must be over our master, our money, and our marriage. Next. Where got hope? So tough, right? I mean, we are not perfect. We will struggle in all these things. The hope is found in the last verse in Judges 18.31. They continued to use the idol Michael had made. All the time, the house of God was still in Shiloh. God never abandons. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We stray, we fall, we come back, and the beauty of the gospel of grace is the house of God is still there. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. And we pray that as we gather as believers, Lord, help us to be open enough with each other to know that we are but sinners saved by grace and on the journey of life learning. We pray that you'll give us wisdom and courage as employers, employees, as parents, as grandparents, as teachers, as students, that, Lord, we will put you as king of our life. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you that Emmanuel, Christ, you are always with us. We pray for your hand of blessing on the events that are coming, the celebration of the brethren anniversary, the outreach to the neighborhood, Panjuru Clinic. Then, Lord, we pray that this will not be monetary transactions, but there will be acts of faithfulness for your glory. We ascribe all glory to you. We enthrone you as our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I said, the books are on sale. Uh, it is uh, $5 for any students. All proceeds to health serve. God bless you.